Well, we're in week three of a series of messages about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, with kingdom implications for us. Uh, we introduced it a couple of weeks ago with Jesus' inaugural address when he began to, to proclaim, and his vision that he cast was about the kingdom and said, The kingdom of heaven is near. Last week we looked at um, uh, the first of a series of parables in Matthew 13, unique only to Matthew. When he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like, and these series of uh, parables, about seven of them that Jesus talks about. The one last week I think was pretty, uh, pretty easy for us to understand. It was about this parable of the sower. Uh, he had uh, one seed, one type of seed that he sowed, and we found that uh, there were four different types of soil. And there was only one good soil that was able to receive the seed and let it grow to maturity and then produce uh, abundance of uh, fruit as to what uh, we're supposed to do. Uh, that's the implication for us in our life, that we're supposed to hear the Word of God, that we're supposed to receive it, and then we're supposed to be fruit bearers for the kingdom of God. Now that was pretty logical, pretty easy. When we come to look at the one today about the, the wheat farmer and uh, the weeds that grew along with this wheat, we might think, what kind of farmer is this who would allow uh, his crop to be infested with weeds and then decide not to do anything about it, just let them grow together and wait until the time of the harvest. When we hear the story, we might want to think, what about all this issue about weeds? Because, you know, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty much weed haters, and we are death and destruction on weeds in, in our culture today. In the United States alone, we average about $5.7 billion spent on herbicides just to kill the weeds in gardens, plants, and all those kinds of things. Uh, around the world, uh, about $14.2 billion was spent uh, here just in the last year uh, on herbicide. And so that could end up meaning that a farmer could spend up to $100 an acre on herbicide application. Now, got some other pictures here about some weed control instruments there. That, that's my favorite weed eater right there is Roundup. That is a surefire kill. That will do it. Now, I always tell you that you get the benefit of the 9 o'clock worship crowd. One guy came out and he said, talk about Roundup, you know, it's expensive. He said, I got another, something else for you. And I forgot exactly what he said, so don't do this. It could end up being, until you check it out, it could be a bad chemistry experiment for you and there could be an explosion. But he said, I, I thought he said, instead of apple cider vinegar, I thought he said white vinegar and Epsom salt, and you mix that, and it's death on weeds. Is that correct? Anybody ever tried that and found that to be? Somebody, I see a hand back there. Is that right? White vinegar and Epsom salt. Okay. Check back there and make sure about that. That that'll do it. Okay. All right. Uh, there's another farmer spraying application of uh, herbicide. We've got another one coming up here. Uh, this is something see where spraying all the stuff on plants. Uh, that looks like uh, flowers. Flowers. Well, it might be some vegetables in there. Well, anyway. Those something we have to be concerned about, what we intake from that. Got some other things. Uh, there's the weed eater. That is the most aggravating machine ever created. That was a, I don't have one. I finally got rid of them. They do not work when you want them to work. That's why I went resorted to Roundup. Roundup works. It just sprays. You can pour it out, whatever, and it kills the weeds. All right, what else we got? Antique. What do you call that? Yeah, that is absolutely what in Jesus' day they would go through and harvest the wheat with. The old scythe. And so that's what he's talking about, how they would harvest. All right, what else we got? Ah, what do you know? Our young people, you know what that is? I ask you young people, what do you know? What is that? Huh? Some, uh, who, uh, I hear somebody mumbling back there. 
That is an antique weed eater. That's a sling. I mean, not before you had weed eaters. That, that's what you had. I, you, some of you remember that, don't you? Going out spending hours with that sling, slinging in the weeds to get them down. They actually sell them new now. I bought one out of Lowe's or Home Depot or something just to put in the garage and show the kids. You know, this is a, this is a new one. This is a, this is a new one. You know, we are death and destruction on weeds. We want to destroy them. And so when we look at the parable today, I think we have to kind of wonder, what is the farmer's logic in all of this? Well, when Jesus tells the parable, he obviously has to come back and then give an explanation of it so it begins to make sense. And we're going to look at it that way and then make some application in our life because after all we're talking about kingdom implications and these are about spiritual principles, all right? So look with me as Jesus tells the parable beginning in verse 24 of chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Uh, Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you were pulling the weeds, you may root, pull, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Well, he goes on to tell another parable that we're going to look at in two of them next week, the parable of mustard seed and the yeast. So then we come down to verse 36 and we find Jesus giving an explanation of this parable. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. See, it didn't make any sense to them either that the farmer didn't do anything about the weeds growing in the wheat crop. So Jesus answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And he who has ears, let him hear. Well, there's the parable and the explanation. And hopefully it begins to make sense. So let's just look first at the progression of the parable. And first of all, we see, of course, that the seeds are sown. The farmer sowed good seed in his field. And then he says, the story tells us that while they were sleeping at night, the enemy, the evil farmer, snuck into the field and he sowed uh, the, the weeds. He sowed the weed seed. Now, when we looked last week at the parable of the soil, we saw he had one, one seed. And that was good seed, but there were four different types of soil. In this parable, there is, there is the same soil, but two different seeds. One is the wheat and one is of the wheat. Now, here's the spiritual truth that we need to gather from this, the first one. And that is that Jesus plants good seeds in the world, but Satan plants bad seeds. When Jesus was alone with the disciples and he began to explain this parable to them, he explained the whole cast of characters to them. He said, the field is the world and the good farmer represents Jesus. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. 
And he said, Jesus came to plant seeds of goodness by placing His goodness inside people and proclaiming the kingdom and bringing about repentance and salvation. He says, the enemy is the devil and the bad seeds represent evil people and the harvest is the end of the world. Now that's how that begins to progress as the seeds are sown. Now we notice the growth of the seeds. As the wheat began to grow, so did the weeds. And the weed that often infects wheat fields is called darnel. It looks a whole lot like wheat in the early stages. In fact, I'm, I'm told that farmer, wheat farmers in Kansas nickname it cheat. See, they grow wheat, and there's a weed that grows in there they call cheat. That's what it looks like. And the farmer in our story today says an enemy has done this, planting the wheat, in the, uh, the cheat in with the wheat. Now, just like today, back in the day Jesus told this, wheat was a very, very, very important crop. So when weeds were sown into it and grew with the crop, it was kind of perplexing. And there were several different varieties of weed called darnel. The one most likely that was growing in this field was called bearded darnel. And it, it's really a uh, poisonous ryegrass that was very, very, very common in the east. And so as soon as the, the wheat began to grow, so did the, 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 the um, weeds. And by the time they reached a certain level, it was very difficult to determine one from the other. So I think that's why the farmer said, let them grow, and then we'll deal with them in time to come. Here's the spiritual truth. We live in a world with evil people who do evil things. And we're not talking about being crime stoppers out there. That's a totally different issue. What we're talking about here is a spiritual kingdom and spiritual principles and spiritual issues that we're dealing with. You see, the servants wanted to go out and immediately rip up the weeds, pull them up, out of the crop of wheat. But the farmer said, we're not to be judging that. Let's, let's let them grow together, and then we will deal with them at the end. Because if you try to pull up the weeds with the wheat, you're going to hurt the wheat. And it's a reminder to us that it's not our responsibility to judge. That's up to God. It's not our responsibility to judge whether somebody is saved or not. That's up to God. And then the third thing that we notice here in the progression of the parable is the time for the harvest comes. And when the time for the harvest came, the servants went out to mow down the crop. They used that ancient uh, scythe. They cut it all down together. Then they began the process of separating. They separated the weeds. They bundled them. They put them on the fire. They separated the wheat. They bundled it. They put it in the barn. All of that is, is a reminder to us of a spiritual truth, and that is at the harvest, God's harvest, believers will be gathered to heaven and lost people will be separated from God in hell. And both of those times at the end, at the end of time and beginning of eternity are inseparable and irreversible. See, Jesus is really teaching in this parable about the kingdom, about eternity and the final destiny of people, of human beings. And as always, it's a reminder that there are only two eternal places Two eternal destinies. One is in heaven with God for all eternity with all the good things He has in store for you that the Bible describes in heaven. And the other place is hell where it's eternal torment. And those who do not love God, those who do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they spend eternity in hell. Jesus is teaching about a literal hell and a literal heaven. And so that makes the important question for today from this kingdom parable where will I spend eternity? You see, the, the barn represented heaven where the wheat was put. 
The fire where the weeds were destroyed represented hell. A reminder once again, only two places where you can spend eternity, either heaven or hell. And you make that decision. Where will you spend eternity? Now, that leads us to four spiritual practical lessons that we need to learn from this parable. Kingdom implications. Number one, the evil opposition to the kingdom of heaven will fail. There's no doubt about the fact that Satan is active today. I mean, the parable tells us about the fact that the enemy is Satan who continues to sow bad seeds. His intent is always to deceive people so that he can destroy them. He knows what his eternal destination is going to be. It's a lake of fire that's going to burn forever and ever. And he wants to destroy and take as many people there as he can. He's called the enemy in this parable. And the word for that literally is hate. And we know that, that Satan hates everything about God, everything about the kingdom of God. And so he does everything he can to destroy anything about the kingdom of God and about people who need to be a part of the kingdom of God. We like to say Satan is alive and well on planet earth. I think we could say he's alive, but he's not really all that well because from the time of the cross he's already been defeated. Amen? When Jesus died on the cross, it tells us he destroyed Satan. So he's alive on planet earth, but he's not exactly well. So Genesis 3 talked about a time when Satan would bruise the heel of the Messiah, but the Messiah would crush his head. A bruised heel will hurt you for a little while, but you get your head crushed, you're not going to live very long. That's the way it is with Satan. And so we're told that the ultimate end of Satan is going to be his death and destruction and punishment in the lake of fire. Revelation 20 predicts that. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is what is a sign for Satan and all of his demons. Do you realize that the place called hell was never designed by God to be inhabited by human beings like you and me? In Matthew 25, 41, the Bible tells us that the lake of fire is the place of destiny and created for Satan, the devil, and all of his demons, not for human beings. So why do human beings end up there? They choose to go there. They either fail to answer the question about where will I spend eternity, and it's already settled then by doing that, or they answer wrong. They pick the wrong answer. One day God will put an end to all of the evil on this earth. And Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. Don't go with him. A second thing to observe, and that is the final reaping for eternity calls for a decision for the kingdom of heaven. This is a follow-up to you to the question, where will you spend eternity? See, God is about the business of sowing good seed, called the sons of the kingdom, I believe Jesus said they were. And that's true, authentic believers. But once again, Satan is about deceiving and destroying people. And one of the ways he does destroying is by deceiving them about their salvation. 
you know, he'll say to you, you really don't need to have to do all this confession and repentance and being baptized and all that. All you got to do is just live right. Do all these good religious things, know some religious terms, and you got it made, you know. Just fake it. You got it. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. Reality is, Billy Graham's crusade would always tell you this, that basically 70% of the people who came to make profession of faith in the Billy Graham crusade were people who were already members of a church. They just weren't saved. And church roles are a tremendous place, a wonderful mission field. There are about 1,600 people on the church roll at this church. How many are active? How many are saved? How many are living for the kingdom of God? There probably needs to be a great evangelism going on in the midst of our own church role while we're talking about evangelizing the community as well. So you might find yourself in, in being lulled into thinking that you're saved and you're safe and you're secure. And you've done all these things. So you don't do it. Jesus does it. So you need to be reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 7 when he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see that group of people who were described? What were they they basing their relationship with Jesus on? Things they had done. We cast out demons in your name. We did this. We did this. And Jesus said, I never knew you. You see, salvation is based on an intimate experience of knowing Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said in John 17 about eternal life. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. It's not doing, it's believing. Then there's a third observation. That is, spiritual judgment is not our responsibility to make. We might look around, we want to root out. I want to pull the weeds out. And the the wise farmer said no, because in the process you might destroy the wheat. And so we have to be reminded again, we are not in that place of judging. That is God's responsibility. We can have a pretty good idea because Jesus said you'll know people by the kind of fruit that they produce. So we'll have a pretty good idea by looking at people but we're not supposed to judge them. And because one of the reasons for that is the same standard the Bible says that we use in judging we will be judged by. And we don't want to be judged by that. You know the reality is when you get to heaven some of you might even be surprised you get there. But when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised at some people who aren't there. That's a sobering thought as well. The, the judgment is not ours. That's up to God. And he promises us that it's coming. Then the last thing that we need to remember is this. Be patient until the coming of the Lord and the final judgment. James says to us in James 5, 7-9, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. 
the Lord is standing at the door. To a reminder there that only God knows who is saved and who is not. You're responsible for yourself first and foremost. You need to make that, that decision. You need to answer that question, where will I spend eternity? That's up to you. You make that decision in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then you need to do everything you can to make sure those around you, those that you love, those you know, those that you care about, hear the message of Christ and that you can encourage them too to make that decision. But ultimately it's up to them to make that decision. But the time of harvesting is coming when God's kingdom will be reaped. And you see the wisdom of this farmer is the wisdom of God in this passage of Scripture when he said, don't go out there and try to separate while they're in the field the wheat from the weeds because you're going to damage the wheat. You see the reality is this is a spiritual, everything about this is spiritual. This is not about really plants. This is about people and about the kingdom of God. The parable started out like the kingdom of heaven is like. And you know the reality is a weed is a weed, right? But if we make a spiritual analogy about this, while it can never be changed, we can never be changed into a stalk of wheat, people can be changed. That's why God says we're not supposed to be in the judging and rooting out business. That's up to Him. Because the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You can take a spiritual weed and God can turn it into a stalk of spiritual wheat. Do you understand that principle? You see, that's why he says that's the impossibility of judging and don't go about disrupting that. Leave that up to him because you never know when somebody's going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, how do we know really? When you look at a wheat field, how do you know what's wheat and what's wheat? We've got a picture up here. When the wheat is ready to be harvested and it's genuine wheat, it's bowed over because it's full of fruit. It's full of grain that's ready and ripe and ready to be harvested. The weeds, they just stand up boldly, proudly. They say, like, I made it through. But like that wheat, we as true believers are to bow in humility before God. And the more fruit we produce, the more humble we are before God. That's the way that we can tell whether we are genuine wheat or whether we are weeds. It's because of how we stand before God. See, the Bible promises that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The issue is, will you do it as somebody who's not saved and finally recognizing that and you're pouring yourself out before God but it's too late or will you be a part of the sons of the kingdom a part of the, of the kingdom of heaven and acknowledge that this is your savior this is your lord he's been the master of your life and you bow before him in all humility and all glory and honor giving to him Lord you are king of kings and you are lord of lords to you be glory forever kingdom implication for today is for all eternity with the question being where will you spend eternity will you spend it in hell with Satan and all of his demons or will you spend it in heaven with God Jesus Christ his angels and all the saints who've gone before you you make that decision that's the kingdom implication for today Father, we thank you for the teaching that Jesus gives to us about your kingdom and about how we can take these parables from so many years ago and 
understand what was going on in that day and age and yet make the application for today and understand that you're teaching us spiritual principles about your spiritual kingdom and that you're calling people, men and women and boys and girls, to make spiritual decisions to be a part of your kingdom by professing true faith in Christ, having a relationship with you, knowing you, and knowing eternal life in that process. Father God, I pray for anyone here today who's not sure about his or her eternal destiny, that they will, they will come to that place today of making that decision for you, totally resting upon what Christ did for them on the cross. And if there are others who are willing to make decisions today to be a part of your kingdom here at Spring Valley, then they'll come today too to make that decision to join with us at Spring Valley. Father, speak to us through the words of this song, through the movement and power of your Holy Spirit, all for your glory, through the name of Jesus our Lord.